welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, lead pastor Daryl Anderson takes us through 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 21. In the parable of the cups, one critical element is related that makes us useful to the master and engages us in the most noble of purposes. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. We're going to be in 2 Timothy this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And in this chapter, especially verses 14 through 26, uh, Paul is giving um, some insight into being a workman approved by God, what that looks like, different elements that are involved with us being a workman approved by God. Most of those we're not gonna deal with this morning. We're not gonna talk about most of those. We're gonna camp out on just two verses, one concept, one element involved in what Paul's trying to say. So let's look in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. He says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Here in these two verses, Paul's given us an illustration. He's given us a word picture Really, he's given us something, that, an image that we can put in our mind to help us kind of understand what he's gonna to try to communicate spiritually. So he starts with by saying, there's a large house. Now he may have in his vision a palace with the king because that stays consistent with the kingdom of God that he talks about often. But in this big house are all kinds of articles, just a bunch of stuff, a lot of things. Some of them are really expensive, nice things. Some of them are just ordinary things, but there's just a variety of stuff in this house. And with this image, he wants to draw us to a spiritual application. And the application and the point he's gonna try to make is being useful to the master. You have all this stuff, but all this stuff in this house should be useful to the master since it's in his house. And that's the point he's gonna try to make. The word useful means helpful, means beneficial. So it just needs to be beneficial to the master. So in the spiritual context, what he's trying to say is we should be beneficial and helpful to the kingdom. God has a purpose and a plan and we should be helpful and beneficial to his purpose and to his plan and to his kingdom. In other words, be used by him. When I think about this, I think about some characters in scripture that were used by God. They were useful by the master. People like Noah who in essence was used to save the human race from extinction. Uh, Moses, who led the children of Israel out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. Uh, Abraham, who was used as the father of nation. Elijah, Elisha, the other prophets who were used by God really to help turn the hearts of men back toward God. In the New Testament, people like Peter and the apostles where it said they turned the world upside down. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. All these heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. Uh, the men and women that served Jesus when he was here in his earthly ministry and just ministered to him. All of these people. But then I also think about those characters that weren't used by God. For some reason, God didn't use them, couldn't use them. 
People like the Old Testament kings, if you've ever read through there, about 90% of them, it says of them, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. God couldn't use them as they served as king. Judas, who betrayed our Savior. The Pharisees, who were just at constant odds with Jesus. It makes me ask the question, why were certain people useful to the master and others were not? Why were these used by God and these were not? What's, what's the key element? Well, we're gonna address that in a moment, but there's a deeper question or really a more personal question for us this morning is, are you useful to the master? Do you think you can be useful to the master? Do you think you have anything to offer to be useful to the master? Are you willing to be useful to the master. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. What does it take to be useful to the master? We're gonna hone in on one element this morning. I'm not gonna tell you what it is yet. Let's look at the passage a little bit more first. In the large house, he says what? There are some noble articles. These are the expensive. That's what noble means here, expensive, very special. So you have expensive items, you have unique items, you have those items that you don't wanna break that you're gonna use for very nice things, but then you have these ignoble articles. I've never used ignoble in a sentence before other than this passage. So you may not have even heard that word before. It means common. It can also mean disgraceful or shameful. So it has two ideas. What he's saying is, <clears throat> with these ignoble articles, for them really to be useful, they've gotta be cleansed. And here the word cleanse simply means to get rid of, to clean out, get rid of it. But if we'll get rid of those things, then even those things will end up being an instrument or a vessel for what? A noble purpose. In other words, he's saying all of these articles, some are already noble, others are not noble. So if they'll take care of some things, they can too be noble and useful to the master. So here's really what Paul's saying, I think. He's saying when it comes to our purpose in life, when it comes to the greatest major pursuit of our life, when it comes to the essence of our life, what we're giving our life to, we have three choices. The first choice is what I'm gonna call disgraceful pursuits, disgraceful purposes. That's what he says in scripture. We can give ourselves to these disgraceful purposes. And these are those, those sinful pursuits, those lustful pursuits. In other words, giving into my flesh. I can be hedonistic. In other words, my entire life and purpose and goal can be just to please my flesh. Go out and party hardy. If it feels good, do it. And I'm just gonna satisfy my flesh and I'm just gonna live it up. And that's the, that's the pursuit and the purpose of my life. Well, Romans 1 gives us a good description of those that make that decision. In Romans 1, it says, those that have given themselves to that pursuit, they have darkened hearts. They're full of sinful desires. They succumb to their shameful, to their shameful lust. They reject the knowledge and the truth of God. They become filled with evil and greed and strife and malice. In other words, the goal of their life is to fulfill their fleshly lust and to live in sin. But what's really weird is they don't recognize it as sin because they've come to such the place that they don't even recognize sin anymore. They've devoted their life to fulfilling their lust and their sinful nature. They don't even recognize that they've done that. So they don't even recognize it as sin. 
if you look at our world today, you'll see people with that pursuit and that purpose in mind. That's the goal of their life. So that's one purpose. Secondly, he said, or we could give ourselves to what I'll call temporal pursuits and purposes. Now, these aren't necessarily sinful. They're just temporal. They're temporary. It's a chasing after our own desires, chasing after our own dreams, chasing after worldly acclaim or riches. It's all about me and what I want to do and what I have. We might call it narcissistic. We might call it materialistic. But it's that pursuit that everything that I'm pursuing has to do with this life. So it may not be sinful pursuits. There may not be anything wrong in essence with those pursuits. But the problem comes in is when gathering those material things or acclaiming that worldly fame or gathering whatever's temporal, that becomes the essence of my life. That becomes the deepest pursuit of my life. This type of person takes on the characteristics of what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. If you remember him, he, for, for, for the writer of Ecclesiastes, everything was meaningless. Riches, he says, are meaningless. Work is meaningless. Pleasures are meaningless. He basically says everything in this life is meaningless. Now, what he's not saying is everything in this life is bad. There's nothing wrong with riches. There's nothing wrong with being famous. There's nothing wrong with any of those elements. What the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying is when that's your main purpose and your main pursuit, you're missing out because nothing in this life can bring fulfillment and meet the deepest sense of contentment that we're looking for. It just doesn't have the power. So Paul calls both of these ignoble purposes. One's destructive and one's deceptive. One's gonna leave us broken. The other's just gonna leave us empty. So what he's saying in the passage is if that's your pursuit, if that describes you, either one of those describe you as the main purpose for your life, he says, cleanse yourself of that. Get rid of that. You need to change that. In other words, you need to make a decision to shift what's going to be the main purpose of my life. It's a, it's a heart issue is what he's saying. He's trying to get us to examine our heart and say, what's the depth of your heart? Is your heart most passionate about your sin and your lust and your flesh? Is your heart most passionate about all the things of this world and what this world has to offer? Or is your heart pursuit for God? That's what he's trying to say. He's trying to push us to what I'll call this third choice, and that's noble purpose or noble pursuit. That's obviously the pursuit of knowing God. It's the pursuit of being useful to the master. It's the, it's the pursuit of trying to figure out God's plan and purpose for your life and saying, yes, that's what I wanna do. So here's the deal. I can give my life to sinful purposes or to selfish purposes, or I can give it for God's eternal purpose. My heart and my hands can be dedicated to myself. They can be dedicated to God. I can settle for lesser things I can settle for temporal things that have no eternal value or I can surrender myself and my life to that which has eternal consequence, eternal purpose and will be the greatest calling of my life. 
So what he says is, when I make that decision, if, if I make a decision in my life to say, I wanna pursue the noble purpose of allowing God to use me, what he says here is I'm gonna be prepared. That means ready. In the Greek tense, it means a, a continued state of readiness. In other words, I'm always going to be ready to do what? Any good work. Anything God wants me to do, I'm gonna be ready because my heart and my mind is set and ready to go. So. What's the one major component? What's the one major element for us to be useful to the master? I'm not gonna tell you yet. Now I wanna illustrate it for you. I wanna share a parable with you. And we know what parables are, right? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So this isn't a parable from scripture. This is a parable from my kitchen cabinet. I call this the parable of the cups. In a minute, I wanna show you what my favorite cup of all time is. But before I show you my favorite cup, I'm gonna show you some other cups that are, they're all in my kitchen cabinet until I took them out for this. But I usually don't use any of these, hardly at all. And I'll tell you why I don't use them. This is crystal. This is actually part of our wedding dishes. This was part of our wedding shower. So, so this crystal is almost 35 years old now. But if you look at it, it looks almost brand new. You know why? We never use it. We reserve it for very, very special occasions. I don't just take this out on the back patio cooking burgers and say, hey, let's break out the crystal. It's only used for very special occasions. But as a result, it's just, I don't use it very much. Here's another little stem goblet. I don't like this cup at all. Neither one of my sons like this at all. And the reason is it just doesn't hold very much. By the time you put ice in this and a little bit of liquid in this, you get like two gulps and it's done. So you're always having to refill. It's just, it's a pain. So we just, we don't like this cup. We don't use that one. Okay, here's one I don't ever use. You young parents will recognize this for sure. This is a little sippy cup. I don't ever use this. You may wonder why it's in our cabinet. Well, we've got grandchildren, so we have it when they come over to the house. But obviously this is designed for little preschoolers, so it would be really creepy for me to be drinking out of this as an adult. <laughs> so it's in there, but I don't ever use this one. Let's see what else I have. Oh, here's one. Here's kind of a, an unusually shaped coffee mug. I don't ever drink out of this either, and there's a couple of reasons why. One, I don't drink coffee. But two, even if I did, it's kind of a weird cup. It's kind of weird to, to drink out of, but I keep it in my kitchen cabinet and have had it in there for years now. The reason it has a little emblem on it, I did a retreat for a friend several years ago, and as part of the thank you for doing the retreat, he gave me a few items, and one of those items was this coffee cup. So I keep the coffee cup simply as a reminder of, of that retreat, how special that retreat was and how cool that was. So when I look at that, I can reflect back and et cetera. So it's just a, a, a memento. So I don't use it, but I keep it. Here I've got a little travel mug. When I got this, I thought it would be something I would really use a lot. You can't see it from back there, but I actually don't use it because the the opening here, the hole is, it's really wide. And then I've got this, it's got this big lip on it. 
and the shape of my mouth, something, I don't know. They don't, it doesn't jive. So when I try to drink from it, it just kind of spills everywhere. It won't have a good flow. It just makes a mess. So I can't use it. And also I found out that it's not dishwasher safe. Yeah, so I got to wash it with hands and who wants to do that, right? <laughs> so I don't use it. Okay, this one. I actually used, used to use this one. I don't use it anymore because you know when you put plastic in dishwashers, but you cram them full and so you stick it in there and you cram it between two hard things and it gets hot and it kind of reshapes it and then it cools down and it just kind of sticks like that. That's what happened to this. So it's a cup I used to use a lot. I don't use anymore. The only way I could use this is if, you know, somehow I could kind of reshape it. But, okay, you ready for my favorite cup? Drum roll, ready? Yeah. Here's my favorite cup of all time. Buns over Texas. I'll take this anywhere. I use it all the time. And there are several reasons why this is my favorite cup. Number one, it's the perfect size. It's not so big that I feel like I'm drinking a gallon of stuff. It's not so small that I've got to refill it all the time. It's just the perfect amount. It fits perfectly in my car cup holder. It's not too skinny where it kind of flops around and spills. It's not so fat that it won't go all the way down in there. It fits perfectly in there. It's got a really good base, so if I'm sitting on the chair watching TV, I can just kind of put it on the floor. I don't have to worry about it doing something weird and spilling. It's plastic, it's not glass, so I can take it outside. I can take it to the back patio, to the park. I don't have to worry about breaking glass everywhere. But because it's so versatile, I use it all the time. And when I reach up to the cabinet, this is the one I grab first. So those are the cups. Now this is a parable, remember? So there is a spiritual meaning behind this. What I wanna do is go back through each of these cups and remind you what they stand for. And this makes some spiritual application because every one of these cups represent our usefulness or lack of usefulness to the Father and why. The crystal, remember it's only used for special occasions. This represents that person that they'll be used by God, but only in the big things. See, this is one of the nicest, prettiest, most expensive glasses up here. This represents the person that may be really gifted, really talented, but because they're so gifted and talented, they just wanna be used for the big stuff. And so if God says, hey, I've got something big, I'm ready, but they don't wanna be involved in the mundane, everyday, behind the scenes, if no eyes are on them, no. But if I can get some notoriety, I'll be used by God. The problem with that though, is God's not looking for that type of person. So this person just doesn't get used that much. The goblet, remember it doesn't hold much. This represents the person, they wanna be kind of useful. They kinda wanna be used by God, but not too much. I don't wanna get carried away. I don't wanna make this a lifestyle. I'm not gonna say God whatever. It's just, maybe I feel guilty because I hadn't been doing much or whatever. They just limit God's ability to use them. The sippy cup, God has a really hard time using this because this represents the person that says, you know what, I'm just spiritually too immature right now. I haven't grown spiritually enough yet. 
But I'm growing, I am maturing. And when I get to that point where I think I'm ready, when I think I'm spiritually mature enough, then I'll, st- I'll say, okay, God, now you can use me. The only problem with that is in reality, when we give our life to Christ, immediately we are useful to the master. <laughs> so this isn't a reality that God can't use me. It's an excuse to not let God use me to say, I'm just not ready yet. This coffee mug, remember it's a memento. This represents that person that used to be used by God, but it's all in the past. You hear them saying things like, man, I remember when God did this in my life. I can remember when God used me to do this way back then. Man, I can remember back then when I was doing this and that and everything they talk about is what they used to do and what God used to do, but they're not letting God do anything with them right now. This travel mug, remember it makes a mess. This represents the person that God really wants to use, but they just won't come under God's control. And so when they begin to do stuff, they just make a mess because they wanna do it their way in their time, in their own gifts, and they just end up making a mess of things. It's what I call the Samson effect. Remember Samson, God really wanted to use Samson, but Samson was just out of control. And so God had a real hard time funneling him and focusing him until the end of his life when he finally yielded and said, okay, did it God's way. That's what this represents. It's just really hard for God to use these people because they just won't come under the authority of the master. This cup that's kind of warped represents the person that that God really did use a lot. But somewhere along the road, something happened. Either God did something they didn't want him to do or he didn't do something that he wanted him to do. Somehow they got offended. Somehow they got upset. Something happened that disrupted their flow. Somebody offended them. They became bitter. They became resentful. And something happened in their heart and they became broken and hard and wounded. And because of that, they're no longer in a place where they're ready and willing to be used by God. Here's the good news about this person though. God can bring the healing. If that's you this morning and you feel like you're in this place, God can bring healing. He can fix the wound if you'll let him and bring you back into that place of usefulness. But here's the final one. I'm not gonna say this is God's favorite cup because that's kind of weird, but it represents the kind of person that God wants every one of us to be. The kind of person that will say, God, I will let you use me anytime, anywhere, for any reason. I'll go anywhere. I'll talk to any person. There's no restrictions. There's no limit. There's no hesitation. God, I want to be useful to you and you can use me any way you want to use me. Now, the interesting part about this is this isn't the nicest cup up here. It's very calm. It's very ordinary. It's very plain. And it represents most of us Because what this is saying is, I don't have to be the most gifted. I don't have to be the most intelligent. I don't have to be, quote, the most spiritual. I just have to be one thing. And this is the one thing that we need to be useful to the master. And that's simply, I just need to be available. 
the key ingredient Paul's telling us to being useful to the master is being available to the master. You don't have to be that gifted. You just have to say, God, use me. There's an old saying that says, God doesn't care about our ability. He only cares about our availability. And it's an old saying, but it's still true. And that's the point that he's trying to make here is will we be willing to be available to God? Here's the thing. Every follower of Christ is designed to be useful to the master. You were created to fulfill his purpose in your life. And God desires to use every single believer, but we can limit our usefulness by a variety of means. So really what this is trying to communicate, this passage, is to bring yourself to the place where you are willing to pursue that noblest of purposes, which is to be useful to the master by saying, God, you do whatever you want to do with me. Now back to the text. Remember he started in verse 20 by saying there's a large house. Really, I think what he's talking about here is the church. He's talking about the church. He's even talking about a local church. And he says, in the church, you have all these articles. You have all these people, a variety of people. Some are so gifted, some are not. Some are already pursuing noble purposes, some are not. And so he's given us a picture of the church. And what he's saying is if you're here in the church, we may have all three of these kinds of people chasing these three different kinds of pursuits. There may be some of us who are chasing after our sinful nature. We're just living it up saying, I'm just gonna do what feels good. There may be some in the church that are pursuing these temporal purposes and the goal of their life is to amass material things. But there may also be those who are already fully committed to the noble purpose saying, God, use me. There's all three of these. And so Paul's saying, if you are giving your life to one of these two ignoble purposes, what he's saying is, cleanse yourself. That's really an invitation to ask God to change my heart and to say, okay, God, I've been chasing the wrong thing. I've been pursuing the wrong thing. I've been living for the wrong purpose. And so I'm getting rid of those. And I'm going to shift now my heart and my spirit and my soul and my will. And I'm going to surrender myself to your purpose. And I'm telling you right now, you can use me anytime, anywhere, for any reason, to talk to any person, it doesn't matter. Just use me. That's the picture of the church. Imagine a church full of people that have said, we're yours. No limits, no restrictions. Father, use me any and every way you want to. Can you imagine the impact that a church that's full of that kind of believer, what would happen, the kind of impact, the kind of benefit that we would be to the kingdom, to the kind of benefit that we would be to our community and to our city. And that's what he's calling us to. My prayer is that we would be that kind of church where every one of us would say, God, do whatever you wanna do. I'm ready to be used. I am in a state 
of readiness. And all I'm waiting for is for you to say where to go, what to do, who to talk to. If you want me to go across the world, I'll do it. If you want me to go across the street, I'll do it. If you want me to serve in the limelight, I'll do it. If you want me to serve behind the scenes where nobody ever knows, I'll do it. If you want me to minister to hundreds, I'll do it. If you want me to minister to one, I'll do it. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm available. Last Sunday, I gave you a prayer, an invitation to pray, a prayer during the week that said, God placed in me an all-consuming desire to know you, to walk with you, and to be like you. I want to add one more element to that. I want to invite you to continue to pray that prayer this week, but add this other element. May this week's prayer be, God, place in me an all-consuming desire to know you, to walk with you, to be like you, and to be used by you. Would you pray with me? I want to give the Spirit a moment just to minister to your spirit. I don't know what one of your purposes may be, who you identify with, which cup you identify with, that's between you and the Lord. But my prayer is if you've been limiting your usefulness to the master that this morning you would allow him to bring you to that place where you won't limit. If something's happened in your heart and your spirit and life has kind of turned the light bulb off, I pray that you would allow the spirit to reignite that flame inside of you. Just a moment, we'll sing together. We'll have some prayer people that are available to pray with you. If you'd like to pray with someone, I'm available here on the side. I'd love to pray with you as well. You may want to just stay where you are and pray. You may want to sing, worship. The key isn't what you do. The key is just responding to what the Spirit wants to say to you in these next few moments. Spirit, we give you permission to move in our heart and in our spirit. open up ourselves, whatever you want to say to us this morning, whatever we need to hear, whatever we need to do. Father, may we do that in these next few moments as we worship you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.